You're listening to Five Things with Lisa Birnbach. Hi, it's Lisa Birnbach, and welcome to the podcast. Every week, I try to come up with five things, just five, that made the week better for me. Sometimes five is hard. You'd be surprised in this kind of weird time that we live in. It is not always easy to focus inward and find, pull out five things that helped or made you laugh or made you grateful. That's what I do. And today I'm doing it with a guest, the writer Alexandra Styron. If you know her, you know that she has an incredibly rich and diverse background and career as a writer as an activist, as a memoirist, as a faculty member in a graduate program at Hunter in writing. And she has a great list for us, too. So she is coming up. But now I want to start with mine. And I've done something different this week. I always say these are the five things that made my week better. I decided somewhere earlier this week to talk about the five things in my life that people seem to admire the most. Because what is a compliment but a way to feel good? And how do you feel good when people tell you, oh, I like your coat, I like your boots, I like... So these are, in no particular order, the five things I have that people seem to like. Unfortunately, this does not include my exhibits. People don't seem to want to borrow them or have them for any length of time. But they do like, number one, my leather jacket. And you can see a picture of me in my leather jacket on my blog, lisabernbach.com. This leather jacket is going on 15 years old. So it's vintage, it's antique, it's special. It was designed by an old dear friend of mine named Charles Nolan. He was at one time the head designer for Anne Klein, and then he was able to get his own line, and he launched it in 2004. And I saw the leather jacket, my famous leather jacket, hanging on a rack at Saks, and I just had to buy it. Now, I have to say, it's no ordinary leather jacket. Number one, as you will see, it's perfect. Number two, as you will see, it has very long cuffs, which flare out in a very arresting way. They help make it perfect. The leather, as you will see, is pebbled. I have gone places or walked down the street and people have said, where can I get that jacket? Where can I get that jacket? Unfortunately, you can't get that jacket unless I were to give it to you, which I'm not going to do because it is my favorite garment that I own. I have almost lost it in a rental car. And someone, and this is true, and some of my friends hearing this will remember this vividly, someone tried to take it after a memorial service. That seems kind of wrong, doesn't it? But we got it back. It was a group effort. We got it back. This jacket is perfect. So I understand why people admire it. I would also like to pay respect to my friend Charles, who died in 2011. He was a very talented man, a very kind person, also unheralded, you know, spent a lot of time doing community service and political stuff and did not get probably the fame he deserved. And I enjoy wearing his clothes, especially the leather jacket that I will probably wear forever. Number two, I have a wacky pair of socks. I actually have them on now. 
that are, I guess, turquoise with orange and yellow peaches woven into them. My friend Debbie Lewin gave them to me after we went to see Call Me By Your Name. Get it? Peaches? Get it? I'm not going to explain it if you didn't see the movie. Anyway, since I usually wear black socks, plain, or gray socks, plain, or navy socks, plain, these are very cheerful. People like them. When I say people, I mean the people at the gym who see them. Very few people actually get to see my socks. It's kind of by invitation only. Number three, the glasses I have now perched on my nose. Now, here's the thing. I am legally blind, according to all authorities. I can barely see anything. I used to squint as a child, which is how my mother figured out I couldn't see. I used to think trees had big green blobs on them. I didn't realize that there were individual leaves with individual veins and arteries. I mean, I couldn't see. Now I can see. And the minute I could see, my life changed. But I kept thinking my eyes are going to get worse and worse and worse until I get blind, which is ironic since I'm practically blind anyway. My vision has gotten worse, and now I get to wear reading glasses over my contact lenses. I think in a few years I'll be wearing a miner's cap with a flashlight over it, too. This aging thing is not very attractive. But what I did was I got my reading glasses tinted blue, a brilliant idea. If I could copyright this idea, I would. Anyway, people seem to like the glasses, too. You know, when I say these are the five things that people like the most, maybe people are just sucking up. Maybe nobody likes my jacket. Well, they do like my jacket. You have to like the jacket. And what does it take to give somebody a compliment anyway? Oh, I like your glasses. I may be blowing smoke up my own hoo-ha, but anyway. Number four, I'm wearing my dad's watch. And again, there are pictures on the blog for you to admire my dad's watch, my glasses, my jacket, my socks. My dad's watch I received after he died in 2011. He gave each one of his children, my brothers and me, a wristwatch. I don't know how he decided which kid got which watch, say that fast, but I had always admired the one that I now have. I don't wear it every day. It's too special to me. It's too precious to wear, you know, to work out or to do errands or to make meatloaf. But it's beautiful, and uh, when I wear it, I definitely think of him. And P.S., I think about him even when I'm not wearing his watch. I don't need his watch to think about him. I don't need his watch to miss him. I miss him every day. Number five, I found a picture of a man called Robert Muller and his wristwatch. Because I was curious, what would a fine, upstanding citizen such as Robert Muller wear around his wrist? And he wears a Casio, or at least he did in the picture I have of him that I've put on the blog at lisabernbach.com. That watch tells me he's no nonsense. He probably needs to time something like his running and that he's just a straightforward person. So I like the man. I like his watch. I would never personally wear a Casio watch, not because I don't like Casio. I am afraid if I wore a digital watch, I would forget how to tell time, okay? That is the most bald and honest confession I've ever made on this show. But now, that's enough about me. My guest today is writer, memoirist, teacher, wife, mother, 
daughter, sister, with a very powerful and potent sisterhood in her life, author of Reading My Father and Steal This Country, and activist Alexandra Styron, known to her friends as Al. Welcome, Al. Thank you, Lisa. You can call me Al. Exactly. And um, I wanted to talk to you because you have written and published this fall a new book for younger readers, but it's not talking down to people our age or my age, called Steal This Country. And it's such a departure from your previous work. How did you end up writing a, a kind of handbook for junior activists? Um, so it is a total departure for me um, and was a very new experience. Um, <clears throat> but it was um, a big surprise, my um, response to the Trump election. It was my way of um, digging myself out of the despairing hole that I had fallen into, like many of us. Um, and I was working on some fiction and teaching, and um, but feeling um, really unmoored. And I think the... Um, for me, I'm the mother of two teenagers, and this is a book for teenagers, but um, the most sort of profound moment for me was that morning after was coming downstairs and facing my children and feeling very very clearly like um, we had let them down. We had let that generation down, that they couldn't be held accountable for the fact that Donald Trump was now president, but we really could. Um, and so writing this book was kind of um, my way of atoning in some way <laughs> and doing something. Um, I felt like I had to do something, so I put my fiction aside. I had this idea. I came up with it. I sold it very quickly. I wrote it very quickly, um, and here it is. What's what's really refreshing about it, I mean, that's why this podcast exists, too, trying to lift myself and right. others out of this sort of vague, bad feeling that yeah. we have. But I like how specific it is and how you've broken up chapters uh, into small, doable actions. Because I think the general first reaction is, I'm overwhelmed. There's yeah. too much to do. Sure. I don't know how to start. Yeah. And I admire the way you cut it up into bite-sized pizza. Pizzas. Pizzas. Yeah. The pizza's very good. <laughs> if I could so have added pizza, teenagers would might like it even more. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I, I think that, that that was really important, was breaking it up into uh, doable doses, but also um, making kids really understand that they not only are um, welcome and um, uh, can engage in the resistance and the and so resistance process and in social activism, but they're actually necessary, and that that there is a great long history. In fact, no major movements, certainly not in this country and many in other countries, really have ever gotten anywhere without the involvement of young people. And by young, I mean teenagers. You mean people who are too young to vote. Too young to vote, but not too young to know that what is happening, what's going on is, you know, fucked up. <laughs> when we were growing up, uh, reading the newspaper was a vital part. And we'll get to this yeah. in a few moments. But reading the daily newspaper, in my case, the New York Times, and I, I guess in yours, too, 
was a, a, a part of being an adult. It was part of taking responsibility. Yeah. It was kind of cool to read it before my parents did. Yeah. Um, and I grew up with that. Mm-hmm. Children today are digital natives, yeah. and they don't have that that um, expectation that they are going to read a lot of stories. They're going to get pre-selected stories yeah. out of the particular echo chamber that they use. Well, to be fair, the New York Times is an echo chamber. Yes, as well. it is. It is for sure. But there, but but now you can cherry pick your yes. news and cherry yeah. pick where you're getting it. Yeah. How do they, what are other ways in which teenagers of today differ in terms of their understanding of what's going on in politics and also the sense that it does matter because it's very easy to feel like, what's the point? Yeah. Well, I think um, as much as I, again, as a mother of teenagers, the you know, sometimes I feel like the scourge of our existence is social media and, and they're their phones and, you know, my trying to shove a book between my son's phone and his eyeballs. (laughs) Um, But uh, in truth, they are actually also, I mean, the the good news is they're getting a ton of information. I mean, I grew up in rural Connecticut, and yes, we had the New York Times, and yes, my parents read that paper every morning, and I learned how to read sitting on my father's lap reading the New York Times. but th- other that and, you know, Walter Cronkite was all we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually, um, I think there's a great opportunity. I mean, harnessing social media and harnessing the digital environment to give kids information is actually very um, valuable. They also can connect with each other mm-hmm. um, on social media, which is something I'm also promoting as a kind of extension of this book I've written. I, I, I'm very eager to find um, a path for creating one place, one digital platform where a- young activists can meet because they're they're out there and they're working and they're really passionate and they are doing great stuff and they're often largely siloed into their particular issue, the mm-hmm. LGBTQ kids and climate change and, and the Parkland kids. Parkland kids and racial kids who are working on racial justice, but they don't see each other so often. And I've done some events where I've asked uh, young activists to come from different organizations and they're so excited to be together. It's like, oh, you're so cool. You're doing what I'm doing, but in a different field. And so I do think social media gives them that tremendous opportunity that doesn't exist in an analog world. And it gives them a connection also to people in other parts of the world and the yes, country. Yes. What about the um, negativity that uh, is so prevalent these days? It's very often a reaction against, or I'm opposed to this, as mm-hmm. opposed to f- for something. Yeah. I mean, I think the most um, distressing, I mean, one of the really dark, obviously, as we know, dark sides of social media um, and the the really negative side is um, the heat that uh, kids uh, take and the bullying that they are, um, you know, the, the way people pile on when anyone comes out. Um, and, and puts themselves out there in any way politically um, or, you know, puts himself on the line for social justice. And um, it's hard enough for grownups to take that, much less kids. Um, but I don't know. I, I got to say, I think this next generation is so 
incredibly great. They are, I mean, when I am, at, you know, I don't mean to be Pollyanna-ish, but, you know, I really, when you look at where these kids are heading, I feel like a lot of our social ills will start to resolve themselves. I mean, we'll always, they'll always be there, but I feel like the trajectory is, is you know, um, is positive, not negative, because these kids are just so much cooler than we were, you know? They're, I mean, first of all, this is the first majority-minority generation. They will be more different, they will be more of color than they will be white. They are uh, much more engaged on in, in uh, climate issues. They're queerer than any generation before them. Only 48% of uh, the nation's teenagers now identify strictly heterosexual. Is that right? Yeah. So when you kind of put all those things together, you think, what? I mean, <laughs> not what could go wrong, but like, <laughs> but things could, you know, I mean, things you know, could change. Things could change. So I'm feeling rather hopeful. <laughs> good, good. Well, I I find the uh, Parkland kids, who are the ones I'm most familiar with, sure. to be so uh, articulate, yeah, so passionate, and uh, make us better as adults yeah. because we really need to be accountable to yeah. them. How did we let this happen? Yeah. This wasn't on you. This was on us. Yeah. And I think as a parent of three, I also... Um, I've spent many a presidential election in Pennsylvania yep. being a um, an out-of-state uh, 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 canvasser and, uh, you know, feeling very apologetic the day after to my children. Yeah. I made you care, and yeah. now it hurts. Yeah. But if you don't care... Yeah. You never will care. And it does seem the the silver lining, I suppose, in all of this is that people are paying attention in they a way they never attention. have. Absolutely. I mean, uh, God knows, I wish we could turn the clock back and we weren't in this situation. But the response has been uh, magnificent from, from, I mean, from women, from men, from people of all color and from young people. Um, and they're, uh, fi- they're totally fired up. I mean, they go, it ebbs and flows. And I, I do worry that, you know, um, the real lesson is that um, you kind of one needs to, we all need to remember and certainly need to impress upon our kids is that it's, you know, a marathon, not a sprint. And that, you know, I know it's dispiriting to, you know, feel like I'm sure for, you know, the Parkland kids have learned it, you know, in spades, this this kind of, you know, um, to have everybody's attention and have the world behind you and be asking for something that seems so obvious um, with regard to gun control and to not get it. But to know that what they've done so far is not in vain and that you have to get up tomorrow and put your shoes back on and go back out there and that you just have to. I mean, look at the civil rights movement. It takes a long time. And that message, I think, is hard for kids. Kids, you know, kids are impatient. They're young. They don't have a sense of time. Right. But that's a really important message to kind of convey to them that that, that to make it part of their daily existence, like brushing your teeth, you know. Is um, is is how they will make change, and they will, and we're all learning from them. I saw on some social media today that a novelist I admire, quite a bit older than I am, so 
this is not an age, you know, you have to be young to do this, is now writing postcards to Nancy Pelosi and now sending postcards. Right. I just got in the mail my return letter to Steve Bannon. Oh. <laughs> really? It wasn't... It wasn't it w- opened? No, he didn't read my letter. Really? It took only two years to get it back, but I got it back. I sent it to him at the White House. That is really yeah. funny. Yeah. Well, you I should keep, frame it. You should, or put some more stamps on it and try again. Try to find him somewhere, yeah, I guess, in, his, in the Ukraine. In his hole, yeah. <laughs> well, let's go to your five things. I loved your list, and it, it just was beautifully curated, if I could put it that way. (laughs) So So your first thing that makes your week better Mm -hmm. or your life better Mm -hmm. is? Seltzer. 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 I'm obsessed with seltzer. Yeah. It's really weird. (laughs) It's not weird. I know people who love seltzer. Maybe you love it more than they do. I don't know. I haven't. I don't know. I I realized, uh, so I grew up, you know, in sort of... um, Country Connecticut, um, and seltzer was not. Seltzer's like a got like kind of a Jewish history, right? Well, calling it seltzer, yeah, already makes you a little I don't know, Jewish. Seltzer's like, yeah, it's like it's a New York soda. Jewish thing. Well, but club soda has sodium in it, so they they're they're seltzer actually, doesn't have yeah, sodium. Yeah, no, they're actually. It's, this is Lisa. Come on, the more you know, you're offending me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, Let I, me I'm, instruct you. I'm in shame. <laughs> Look at me hanging my head here. <laughs> seltzer is just carbonated water. I didn't grow up with seltzer at all, and I don't think I drank much water growing up. I, I, I was, uh, we didn't drink who water. Who drank water? Oh my god! And that I grew was up a punishment. In this, like old farmhouse with like baseboard heating. My hair would like every my hair crackled. My skin like I was so. I think I was just dehydrated my entire childhood. Were you Amish? Um, I know, but it kind of felt that way. (laughs) (laughs) And then I came to New York for college, and I discovered seltzer. Well, you went to Barnard. I went to Barnard. You got Barnard. You got to drink seltzer. You got to drink some seltzer. Um, So yeah, and then I became kind of like just devoted to it. I just think it's like it's. I mean, soda's gross, but seltzer is like this elixir. And then they invented these soda machines, and I got one. It's like one of the first seltzer machines. And so I don't make so much waste anymore. I, that that was always upsetting to me, you know, killing all those seltzer all the bottles. bottles. Yeah. yeah. But so now we've got these four plastic bottles in our fridge, and I, I just, I, it's, you know, if you, you, you can only drink so much coffee. I got to wait till six o'clock to have a glass of wine. Seltzer is, you know, divine. Wow. Now, does your whole family share the seltzer? Yes, yes. So each bottle is for each person? Yeah. Well, no, we just, uh, it's like you're always saying, make more seltzer. Who finished the last bottle? <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know that about seltzer. <laughs> I am kind of ashamed. Well, club soda, you know, sodium make you more thirsty. That's why mm-hmm. soda's bad for you, is because yeah. of the sodium well, or the um, sugar. Among other things. Or the cancer, yeah. whichever. Yeah, whichever. <laughs> Whatever. So seltzer is your elixir. It yeah. keeps you going. Yeah, yeah. Love and there's, it. Love and, it. And you don't get, a, obviously, a rush because there's no caffeine, no, no sugar. No, but it's more refreshing than, I don't know, plain water doesn't just do it for me. Seltzer is like, I don't know what it what it is about the bubbles, but... Can I just say, yeah. you said we didn't drink water when we were growing up. Yeah. Water was punishment. Right. No one's parents made us drink water. No, and you didn't ever, like, you didn't drink water. It was like there was orange juice at breakfast. There was orange juice, and then there was, there was apple juice. And there was apple juice, and there was milk. And well chade. 
Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. I love grape juice. And grape Hawaiian juice. punch. And Hawaiian punch. Yes. Yeah. Delicious Hawaiian punch. Delicious. And then occasionally the, you know, Coke or Orange Crush. Very occasionally yeah. as a treat. Yeah. In our house, it was ginger ale. Oh, yeah. Than, I love ginger ale. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're homesick. Yeah. When you're homesick and yeah. it's suddenly yeah. medical. Right. <laughs> I need another. <laughs> Can I have another little bottle of Canada Dry? Okay. So, but yes. it's true that no one drank water in the no, 60s and no, 70s. No. We're just going to say it. So parched. I was just I was, parched for I, like 17 years. That's why I'm so dry now. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm my, telling you. Yeah. I'm telling you, you got to go get your seltzer. I'm going to get you a seltzer machine. Okay. I'll accept it. Okay. Thank you. And also, our mothers smoked when they were pregnant with us. Right. My mother didn't, but everybody else did, yes. Right. right. And whatever yeah, else whatever. they did. Yeah. Okay. The next thing on your list, I have, I feel like a fake New Yorker because I don't drink seltzer and I don't do okay. the, but this is a, this is kind of a secret. Okay. Okay. So Tuina, I'm just giving it its official name, but really what I'm talking about is those little holes in the wall Chinese massage places they all are over New York. Basically basements, right? Mostly yeah, basements. I mean, how many times have you walked by one of those and you don't even look because you're like weird, ew, I don't know what's going on right. in there, right? right? I don't know. Trying to massage my feet. It's Pro- in the basement. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Right. And it's some tiny little doorway. You you know It looks dodgy. Totally dodgy. And actually the truth is some of them are dodgy, so that's actually I should just as a, a kind of flag say <laughs> that some of them are. But most of them aren't. And in fact what's behind that door is a magical universe of like the best, most inexpensive massage you will ever get. Are they mostly reflexology for no, the No, no, no. Oh no. They have like bars on the ceiling where these women who are the strongest people Ever like they like could they walk on you? They walk on you, uh-huh. but they don't just walk on you. They also apply their like hands that are that are the strongest, most extraordinary healing hands. And they, I don't know, they like look at you and they can see that you've got oh like a huge knot in your right shoulder or down by your hip, and then they just really honestly beat the crap out of you. Like I like sometimes I think. This there's childbirth and then and there's tuina. But you choose the tuina. I do. Well, I chose I chose to have babies. So. Do you take any? Um, but, yeah, you but I'm, pay, any, I'm pay, paying for it. You're paying for it. Yeah. Do you take any? Um, do you get a? a I should take Advil a shot before I go. I should. I should yeah. have like a big, various kinds of shots. Right. A drink shot. Um, no, I try to go and I try to like you know breathe through the pain. But you know, I mean, I, it's. I think it's like what Rol, what people say rolfing is like. It's it's exquisitely painful, but it's so frigging good. I'm gonna go to your tuina because okay. I'm think, scared that my tuina yeah. might be a okay, so, doing do. Well, I I, <laughs> I think people some well, the other day I was in there and I heard. <laughs> I heard a guy come in and say, say uh, $50. And she was like, yeah, $50. And he goes, here, here. And she was, I could tell he was trying to pay her before. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> oh, did he think he was? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, uh-huh. then I, and then he was like, you know, they're just curtains between him. I mean, right. they are very, they're really low. Like, if you're skeeved out by, I mean, it's not dirty, but it's, they're very, they're, they're very basic. Right. And they're like curtains between the tables. And I, 
I so he went in and then I heard I heard her go, Oh no no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 just just back. <laughs> oh, and he was funny. like, ah, and he grumbled and got that dressed and left. Um, so there's that. But mm-hmm. that's not what's happening in there. And it is really just these women who are really well trained and they're really strong and they're really good and it's inexpensive and you don't have to make an appointment and there's no like cucumber water and robes. I mean right. it's just it's not fancy. No Enya. <laughs> no Enya. And you're not no, there. And you're not there. Um, no pa- Enya today. <laughs> <laughs> Paper on the table, you know, couldn't be more basic. Um but but totally like after if you've had a bad day and you're on your way home and you're going to go home and make dinner, but you've got 45 minutes and $45. Like, it's awesome. Wow. I went to a place, or it seems to me that when I look down a street in New York and I look into the sort of basement area, Mm -hmm. it's all um, Qigong. Don't they use, isn't that also a Chinese form of? I'm just calling it Tui Na because that is a kind of Chinese massage, and a lot of the places have those signs outside, so I think that's sort of one of the the massage philosophies that's applied. Well, but I don't know anything about Chinese. I can only just tell you. You can tell me about salsa. I can tell you about salsa, and I can tell you you can go into these places and get, you know, the crap kicked out of you in a good, and then in a good way. And in then, a good way. And then you if feel, you like deep tissue massage. Well, I do. Yeah. I do. And I like the idea that you're trudging home from the subway. Yeah. Yes. You have a tote bag in exactly. each hand and suddenly your laptop is feeling very heavy. Yep. And you see that Precisely. the siren call of Tui Na and you know that someone yeah. is going to hurt you. Yeah. And then you'll and have then energy you'll and then you'll be happy yeah. and then you can make dinner. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you know, we'll be home. We'll be home. Like I'll be making dinner and it'll be like seven. And my husband will go, you know, we'll be complaining as people our age do. Ah, this hurts. Ah, that hurts. And he'll say, I'm going down down the hill to the Chinese lady. And he'll go. And by the time dinner's ready, he's back and he's, you know, revived. He's a better, he's a better he's version. Better, he's a better version of himself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is important, people. Tui Na. T-U-I-N-A. Yeah. Basically, the little Chinese massage places in okay. your neighborhood. Just okay. Go Just try them. Try it. What Al is saying is... Give it a d- try. Give it a try. Exactly. I think I will. Next is something very dear to me. Uh, in fact, your whole list is actually very dear to me, Al, because I agree... I mean, not with one and two, but three, four, yeah. and five. I'm yeah. all, I'm yeah, all yeah, in. Yeah. Okay, number three, reading the New York Times, but... Oh, yeah, on paper. On paper. Yeah, I'm really... It's just... It is... I. It is crucial to my uh, daily existence. Um, I cannot read the newspaper online. I can't figure out how anybody reads it online. Um, I... I, I my day is... is I mean, I, I think for many writers, the only way you kind of ever get anything done is to live with routine. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. You just have to, because otherwise you'll never get any work done. So my life is... is also true. Right. That, that I 
often get no work done. Well, that's true. So yeah. I'm fight, fight, fighting against if there's any chance <laughs> we try to get up in the morning and exactly right. stick with the routine so we might actually make it to the desk. Exactly. And the first part of my day, in fact, it's a race to the front door between my husband and me. Who's going to get the paper, the actual paper? Because whoever gets there first gets the front section. And reading the New York Times every morning and reading it on paper is just uh, kind of the only way I can start my day. You make a great point, and we're going to post your list on the blog at lisabernbach.com. But when you have the paper version, yeah. you also understand the importance of a certain story because online, they're all the same. Yeah, and, you know, they're it's it's... I mean, it's so interesting to me. I've I've actually thought I'm going to. I have a lot of friends who work at the New York Times, and I would like to ask an editor there, like, walk me through the process of the way because the, the it's very intentional. The paper is created, it's curated every day, in a very intentional way by the editors, and those editors are obviously different than the digital editors. I don't know what the digital editors are doing. Their brains don't work like mine. They're probably a lot younger than they're me. eleven. <laughs> they're eleven. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, you know, when I open it online, I'm like, I don't, like, what's the story today? Well, you know what's really cool? I was able to sit in a page one meeting. Mm -hmm. They actually have them every day, of course. Right, sure. And they actually have guests. And a, a friend let me, you know, propose mm -hmm. that I sit in on one. Oh, neat. And you do see, and if any of you love the movie All the President's Men yeah. as much as I did, yeah. it's the same it's the same right. idea. Politics, what do you got? Sports, right, right, right. what do you got? Culture, what do you got? And you see the give and take and mm -hmm. the negotiation right. between what's page one worthy right. and what isn't. But also, as you probably know, it turns out that the Times is removing bylines online. Yes. How can how can that be? Yeah. Yeah. That's just wrong. Well, the whole thing seems wrong to me. <laughs> Here's what's good, I will say, because okay. I subscribe except, to the, except for the vid, the like video component. The right? video component is good, which I never use, but I appreciate that it exists. The crossword puzzle is more fun online oh, because really? yeah, because you get a clue. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's like my Scrabble online. I play Scrabble on my phone, and you can actually just play the best word. Yeah. If you give up, they'll it'll play it for you. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So the Times will give you a clue, but 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 online, but the paper itself, mm -hmm. you can clip it. Yeah. I clip it for recipes. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. I'm. I like to know if you want to find a story again, you know exactly was yeah. it on the right or left yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. If you're visual, if, which I am, but also I need I I I really and I think part of it is that my brain was trained on that paper, and so it, it's 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 expecting the same pathways, you know, like oh. a rat and a you yes. know, like I I I I'm expecting that the most important story is going to be on the right side and that the next above the fold above the fold and that the next most important story is going to be next to it and that there's something that will alleviate the sort of intensity of that news In the down bottom. down below the yeah. fold yeah. and and there are all sorts of stories that I love to read in the paper that I find on page A11 that 
I can't find in the digital ver- version. How about the obituaries? Oh, and I never you see them. You would never them. see them. You would. Ne- you don't see them. Yeah. And those obituaries are yeah. some of the best writing in the paper. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I All love right. that one. Good. Number four. Yes. Is it Edith Wharton? Sure. Parchance, or yes. is it gummy bears? Parchance. Oh no, no, no. We're gummy bears. Let's uh, gummy bears gets an asterisk. Okay. I do love gummy bears, okay. but I but but really, let's just be real. Okay. Like Edith Wharton or gummy bears. I can't. Right. The gods right. will not forgive me. You know, that's true. <laughs> Have your seltzer, but do not give up on Edith. No. Okay. What is your favorite Edith Wharton? Well, you know, um, I I want to confess that um, I have a problem, and it's an embarrassing problem for a writer, which is that I cannot remember anything I've ever read mm-hmm. after I've read it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what my brain is made of, but things don't, like, there's no sticky part for movies, books. Unlike you didn't drink water. <laughs> I think that's true. I think <laughs> there's a part that, that the little the little folds atrophied, with the folds where the long-term literature. Whatever that's, yeah. <laughs> whatever that's called. Whatever that's the called. hippoglompus back there, whatever it's called. Your amygdala is <laughs> <Yeah>. dry. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true, too. Um, uh you know, so I want to say that I'm like an idiot savant without the savant part, but I like I can read the same book. I swear, I just fit. So I just finished reading The Custom of the Country, that, which is which is fabulous. I think that would be my very yeah. favorite. Okay, I think I've probably read it before. Yeah, you but have. I didn't know because I can't remember anything. Well, The Custom of but, the Country uh, has, it is a great book. Has possibly the most contemporary horrible heroine. I know, and I think this needs to be... I went immediately and looked to see whether anyone was working on a screenplay. Apparently there's there was a... there's one that... but I think it's... it it didn't get any traction. I think I think uh, Scarlett Johansson was attached. Oh, but this was hmm. years ago, and I don't know what happened choice. to the project, but I want to revive it because it is so contemporary. It's, I mean, and also... Undine Sprague. Undine Sprague is the, the best. The, uh, right? Yes. I was once um, asked to lead a book club on it with the New York Times. Uh, look how we're talking about yeah. the Times. The, the we syn- should do, The Times should be sponsoring this yeah, what episode, the hell? don't you think? This I think like so. This is the fourth time we've brought them up. At least. And all lovingly. Yeah. Um, they're New York Times Book Club with Ginia Belafonte. Yeah. So we did... The custom of the country, uh-huh. and it was sort of a live digital experience uh, with wine, and uh, it was great. But Undine Sprague, who is um, uh, the the most er social climber of yes, all exactly. literature, exactly, uh, just wants to um, go higher and higher and higher in yep. New York society. And Edith Wharton, who won the Pulitzer Prize in I think nineteen. 19- 37 or maybe she died. I don't think it was that late. Maybe she died in 1927. I think she won it she won it for the Age of Innocence, right? Right. I think so. First woman to ever win it. Yeah. Yeah. An incredible writer, an incredible storyteller and her version of New York is always the first character in her writing. Yes, yes. It's it is so New York centric. She uh, her maiden name was Jones and the 
the expression keeping up with the Joneses oh. was coined about her family oh, that's because so they were cool. a well-to-do I knew family. Was, I knew that it was about a family, but I didn't realize she was, it was her family. That's it, a great little it was her, piece of trivia. Yeah, it was her family. And I think their mansion was on 23rd Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, if you have... Have you been to the Mount? Yes. Yeah. In Lenox, Massachusetts. Yeah, that's she, really fun. I did a reading there. That's oh, a great, you did? Yeah, yeah. Lucky. I know. It's really I cool. I love it. I went there. The Mount is the home she had and built and cared deeply about in the Berkshires. And it's open for tours. Yeah. And it's open. They have music. Yeah. And concerts and readings and um, theater. I think yeah. there's a Shakespeare company yes, that performs on You're the right. grounds. And yeah. there's a beautiful art collection. And beautiful gardens. Yeah. It's a really cool place. It's a really cool place. And you can walk into her bedroom yeah. Yeah. and see her notebooks. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's just yeah unbelievable that, yeah, it's really cool. that she's she's still there in yeah. the room, in the place. Yeah. What a great writer. If this conversation is scaring you, and I know it could because it sounds like <laughs> something schoolish or bookish or hard, there's a 12-page story that you can read called Roman Fever, which you may have read. I don't think I've ever read Roman Fever. 12 pages. It is a short story. I so see it as yeah. a little movie. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go home and read it. With like Joanne Woodward yeah. and... Well, yeah. 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 Well, and... Or then. Yeah. And <laughs> who else? Maybe... Who are we going to cast now, though? Yeah. Well, Ellen Burstyn and... And... Uh, I, don't good question. I don't know. I don't know the story. I have to go home and read it, and we can talk about it. Two women from New York who are accompanying their daughters to Europe mm-hmm. to meet a, an appropriate spouse right. or to be on the grand tour and right. and have their daughters sort of, uh, I don't know, groomed, yeah, sophisticated, polished. Right. And they're talking on a balcony at their hotel while their daughters are out, and a surprise happens. Oh, good. It's oh, good. so good. But by the 12 way, twelve pages. Also, and then after those twelve pages, that if that doesn't hook you, or if you don't, I would just say, I mean, it. I I totally get it. I you know, I get that the the sort of um, turn of the century novels, all of the old American, they they can seem like uh, daunting, and but Edith Wharton is just like juicy and fun and. Like the the her sort of ability to capture character and to skewer people, there it's just the best. I mean, it's 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 sort of like the best HBO series yeah. long before HBO. Yes, so, exactly. So don't be frightened. Right. Go rush. It's to your, just like yeah. girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> the other thing is that I was on a real tear of hers. Well, all my adult life. And there's a book called Twilight Sleep yeah. that was released probably after she died. It's a book about taking drugs when women are disappointed or in despair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. How modern. Right. And she's all about divorce. Right. She, she, yeah. <laughs> all of her characters <laughs> keep tossing off men and moving yes. on to the next. It's oh, good stuff. It's, it's very... It's, it's good. It's good stuff. You've sold me. Uh, well, you didn't need selling. No, I Hopefully, we've helped the Wharton estate just yes, a little bit. Yes, just a little bit. And number five, 
is your beloved shortcake. Shortcake, shorty. Yeah, we have this hilariously cute, like ridiculous. And I've had dogs all my life, so I'm 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 actually something of an expert, and I'm totally. Uh, we have two dogs, in fact, and I, I, I'm sad to say I would not say this about our other dog, but this dog we rescued. I hope he's not listening. No, yeah, she's used to it. Oh. <laughs> um, Shorty is a pit bull basset hound mix. I'm looking at him. So you just have to picture the head of a pit bull and the legs of a basset hound. And she's only, you know, a foot off the ground. But she's all head. She's all, well, she, especially in that photograph, oh. she's got a kind of a, a, a basset hound length body. She's just like the cutest thing. She's like all wrong. She's like a Franken dog. <laughs> Everything's put together wrong, but it's like the best kind of cartoon drawing of a dog but come to life and people freak out when they see her they stop on the street and they're like I'm sorry I have to take a picture time with you. they take pictures of her they pose with her because she's so insanely cute and we're totally obsessed with her it's we're weird we like talk through her I have two kids you know they're like They've they've moved down the food chain. The dog is like front and center in our lives, and I do just just adore her. It's ridiculous. Anyway, that's yeah. So do do people say I think Shorty would like it if we watched Showtime yes. tonight? Yeah. That kind <laughs> yes. of thing. Yes, and and even and when we're mad at each other, we kind of fight through the dog. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. When I want when I want like my husband to take the dog for a, a walk, I'll look at Shorty and say. Are you wanting to take a walk right now while I'm cooking dinner? (laughs) (laughs) And it works. And it works. Oh, that's so great. And he can walk her to the Chinese lady down the hill. That's right. Exactly. Maybe we'll get her a massage. Or a discount. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get it. uh, First of all, I'm looking at Shorty, and she's very uh, adorable. And secondly, dogs are just they're just love. the best they, they, yeah they are the best is she a good dog too she is she um she's uh a squirrel and cat killer oh. well, <laughs> so she can't be uh, left alone with squirrels and cats but she's a, neither a, can i yeah yeah i'm not crazy about either of them <laughs> either. um but she is otherwise a ideal fantastic snuggly adorable thing well, I get it. That yeah. is a great list, Al. Yeah. And it's been a real treat talking to you. Thank you. It's been a total pleasure. And we'll have to do it again. I'd love it. Okay. Thank you so Thanks, much. Lisa. And now I'm going to say thank you for listening. Stay warm and act natural. Bye-bye. That was Five Things with Lisa Bernbach. New episodes every Friday, if she remembers.